You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Thinking Sideways is not supported by an inscrutable figure who smells slightly of garlic. Instead, it's supported by the generous donations of our listeners on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash thinking sideways to learn more. And thanks. Thinking Sideways. I don't understand. Does not compute. You never know. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hey there. Welcome again to another episode of Thinking Sideways. I'm Joe, joined by my incredibly good-looking co-hosts, Steve and Devin. Guys, say hi. Hi! <laughs> so, uh, anyway... You that guys was want weird. To, yeah. Do you want to do that again? <laughs> no, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because I'm incredibly attractive now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, so anyway, folks, we're going to talk about a mystery that surrounds Anne Frank, who you probably have heard of. Um, but for the few of you who haven't heard, Anne Frank was a teenage Jewish girl uh, who spent more than two years hiding in some rooms behind a business in Amsterdam, uh, along with her family and four other people. Is that ringing any bells? Yeah. Uh, and then one day in August 1944, German police raided the building and took them away. And, of course, as you all know, they met a grim fate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Auschwitz and Bergen-Belsen and all that stuff. But it, it appears then, then that somebody ratted them out. So our mystery is, is who finked on the Franks? Mm. Yeah. Nice wordplay. Yeah. Nice alliteration there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has actually been heavily investigated. There was an investigation in 1948, 1963, 1986, 2003. Here we are. Yeah. Well, we're here. We finally arrived. Uh, I'd also like to thank our listener, Shanna. I hope I pronounced that correctly, Shanna. Uh, (laughs) Shanna speaks Dutch, and she helped me out with the pronunciation of some of the names involved. Ironic that you don't know how to say her name. I know. (laughs) Well, actually, (laughs) it's it's spelled Shanna, but she actually actually spelled it out phonetically for me. Oh, so So, Shanna. So Shanna, unless it's Shauna. But it might be Shauna. So, Shanna, Shauna, um, yeah, let me know if I succeeded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm almost certainly going to mangle these word, these names anyway, mm-hmm. but at least I won't mangle them quite as bad as I would have. Yeah, yeah you've got a frame of reference now. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, back to Anne Frank. Um, I'll just give you a brief overview of her story. And this was but, actually helpful for me. I know most school-aged children, at least in America, presumably most other places, read Diary of a Young Girl by Anne Frank. Mm-hmm. I did not. I never did either. I was never assigned it. I wasn't either. Uh, yeah. So I had not actually ever really read, you know, in depth, you kind of just vaguely understand that Anne Frank is a person who existed and she bad had a diary. happened and she yeah. wrote some stuff about those bad things mm-hmm. and also also some stuff that people think is really offensive and pornographic. 
but I yeah. don't know. That's all I ever knew. So this yeah. is really helpful. No, this was I same thing. I I had a complete and total incorrect perception of the space that these people lived in. And oh yeah, had. me too. And yeah. so reading it and then getting to see some of this stuff, yeah. it really it makes the the story makes more sense. Now. I also didn't realize there was it was two years. Yeah, over I thought two, yeah. I don't know why I I just kind of assumed it was months, a couple months, a couple months. Yeah, <laughs> no, they, they were there for uh, really two years and a month. Yeah, actually, the uh, the Austrian police officer who finally raided the place and who and then arrested them and took them away couldn't believe it. That's what. Yeah, he said. Yeah, Otto Frank said he is his the, the policeman. The policeman just couldn't believe that they had been there that long. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, anyway. So let's so, talk about the story. Yeah, let's talk about the story. Uh, Anne Frank was born in 1929 in Frankfurt, Germany. So yes, she was German, not uh, not Dutch. But uh, she was born to Otto and Edith Frank. Uh, she also had an older sister named Margot, about three years older than her. And in 1933, a couple of things happened that kind of prompted the family to move to Amsterdam. One is that Otto got an offer to help start a company there. And two, the National Socialist German Workers' Party came to power uh it was a long you know i was reading about this just today the whole convoluted process of hitler getting appointed chancellor and then consolidating power all the manipulation scheming that went on and, and it's way too complicated to go over but he uh, he did a masterful job of, of pretty much taking over the entire german government mm-hmm. and but well, it took a little it, oh yeah it took a lot yeah. of scheming and it took and it mm-hmm. took time but, uh, several years yeah it took a, yeah it took a while but finally he was in charge of everything and that turned out well mm-hmm. uh, yeah <laughs> not really yeah no. yeah not so much yeah so uh so Otto Frank and his wife saw the writing on the wall and decided it might be time to beat feet to Amsterdam. Smart. Smart choice, yeah. So Otto worked in Amsterdam at Apecta Op- Works uh, in a building at 263 Prinzengracht, Amsterdam. Uh, and in 1938, he founded a second company called Pecticon, which was housed in the same building. They so were, he was a bit of an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah, well, both companies were his, and it was something to do with uh, gelatin? Yeah, pectin. Yeah, uh, yeah. pectin is a is a f- derived from fruit, and it's, it's kind of jello in a sense. Yeah. But it was, it's really interesting. I never really pectin thought... Pectin is what you use to make jams and jelly. Yeah, that's it. Thank yeah. you. Which I understand would be high, was highly important, but I mm-hmm. never really thought about the fact that it was derived that way. So it's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. He had to know what he was... You know, Absolutely. Kind of be a very intelligent guy to yeah. be oh, yeah. able to manage that. Yeah, and that seems like it'd be a high commodity at that time as well. Yeah. Lots of it... canning and preserving happening at that point. Oh, yeah, yeah, refrigeration was uh, not so good. Well, uh, also, yeah. you kind of... You know, if you're going to be living in the back of a house for two years, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, two years and a month. And that, so things were going pretty well for the for the Franks. But in 1940, unfortunately, the Germans invaded the Netherlands and uh, immediately, of course, began persecuting Dutch Jews. Uh, Anna and Margot were forced to change schools because there were new rules mandating segregation. So that meant they could only go to a Jewish school, mm-hmm. as long as a Jewish school existed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it does. It seems like it was much a much slower process than I also thought. You know, I just kind of assumed the Nazis come to Amsterdam and then all of the Jews get carted away. Yeah. It's, oh, the tanks roll in one day slower... and all the Jews are gone the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was no, a much slower process was a, of yeah. slowly segregating and then slowly carting away. And... Yeah. Yeah, the carting away didn't didn't start right away. Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah, they, I don't think they'd really ramped up the whole Holocaust to industrial proportions quite yeah. yet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that took a little time. So the girls had to go to a new school. They had to they had to change schools. Uh, 
uh, Jewish-owned businesses were being confiscated. So in 1941, Otto Frank liquidated his companies and transferred all of his assets to Jan Gies. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Shana, let me know. Um, <laughs> Gies was the husband of Miep Gies, who was Otto Frank's secretary, and, and also they were all friends, too. In July 1942, Margot was ordered to report for relocation to a work camp. Uh, remember, Margot was, was older than The Anne. older daughter. Yeah. Uh, so the Franks, the Franks had been planning already to go into hiding, mm-hmm. uh, but they decided to move up the date a little bit because of this. And, and on July 6, 1942, they left their apartment uh, with many, many layers of clothes on, which must have been great on a July day. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. hope they left first thing in the morning. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, or in the evening or something. But uh, they, they wore tons of layers of clothes because they didn't want to be seen carrying luggage. Smart. Yeah. Uh, they left behind their cat, which kind of bothers me. Um, oh, I heard she that Anne gave the cat to their neighbor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I found and that. her marbles. Yeah, I know. Right? And she was very, very concerned about her marbles. She didn't want them to fall into the wrong hands. Yeah, and so, uh, so that made me feel better when I heard that the cat was okay. Yeah, and the marbles. Yeah, yeah, yeah and the marbles too. Yeah. Uh, they walked to Otto's business, where his two companies are, and, and it was several kilometers, but they had to walk because Jews weren't allowed to take public transportation. Cool. I know. Such a weird rule, but okay. I, yeah, I know. Well, it's uh, very similar to the segregation that happened in America. I, and it's still a weird rule to me yeah. on that front. It's yeah. Just, okay, yeah. that's weird. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I don't know why, but okay, fine. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, back to the business. The building is one of those really tall, skinny Amsterdam buildings. I'm sure everybody's seen pictures of. It's um, like four stories tall. Kind of like a row house. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, uh, it was actually a building that fronted on the street in the canal, and then behind it, there was a second building called the Annex, and they were connected together. The ground level was basically unfinished warehouse space for the business. On both. Yeah, on, both on, on, yeah on, extending underneath the back building, too, mm-hmm. yeah. And so the ground level was basically unfinished. The upper levels of the street side building were used as offices, and then there was a connecting doorway to the rear building on the second level, which and this this part of this this space is known as the annex. So second this from the second floor up to the attic, that was the annex. It had previously been used as a laboratory for product development, but during the war there was not much product development going on. So Otto Frank found another use for it. Uh, they moved into that space and then they put a bookcase across the doorway to conceal it. And that's how they kept hidden for 25 months. Literally was... the spy movie door. Yeah. 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 And, there, and there was like a bathroom and stuff in there, right? Uh, yeah, there was. Okay. Thank, thank God. Although they couldn't flush the toilet during the day because there were people working down below in the warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. At least, yeah. It's sooner. like a porta potty kind of. Yeah. Um, you just learned to time your stuff, I guess. Yeah. Probably. But, yeah. So they had to be really quiet though for those two two years and one month. Yeah, and there yeah. are pictures of this online, right? Yeah, there's a, there's on, on the Wikipedia page. Uh, there's a really nice. There's a picture of uh, it's from the Anne Frank Museum, and somebody mm-hmm. built a model of the building okay, you know, yeah. and everything. And and there's a picture of it, it's kind of a cutaway model, mm-hmm. and then all these spaces are labeled and stuff, so you can get a really great idea of the space that they were living yeah, in. Yeah, which I think that it was it was helpful to me yeah. to be able to see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, yeah, actually I, I was surprised because I I again because I hadn't really read the diary or anything like that. I was always under the impression that they were living in a much tinier space than what mm-hmm. they lived in. It was basically a house, like a two story house they had. Yeah. Not huge, not a huge amount yeah. of space, but uh for the four of them it But was... it wasn't un- underground railroad kind of 
under the floorboards. Yeah, no, not like that. Not not yeah. like uh, not like inglorious bastards. Yeah, you know, yeah. The Jews yeah. were hiding under the floorboards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although uh, I'm sure there were some that were. There probably that. were. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that would have been a, a not a bad space for, for the Frank family. But uh, about a week later, Herman Van Pels, which who was one of his employees, showed up with his family. Mm-hmm. So that's him and his wife and his son. And then several months later, another friend uh, showed up, Fritz Pepper. Mm. Uh, so all in all, eight people living in that yes. space for over two years. It's a lot. Yeah, they weren't able to go outside and get fresh air and a little sunshine. Um, and only one bathroom mm-hmm. between eight people. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking things got a little tense in mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it does beat getting killed. Yeah, or worse. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like the Nazis were, you know, the worst thing wasn't being killed by them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They did some hideous things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The thing that gets me about this, I guess, is like there had to have been blueprints or seems like prime hiding spot, right? That you would be able to walk and say, oh, there's an extra house back there. I don't but I guess I don't know how active searches were or anything like that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was if you're working in the building, it would be kind of obvious because the offices only extend back so far and yet mm-hmm. the warehouse below extends back a lot further. Yeah. But, you know, the guys that worked in the warehouse maybe didn't get up to the offices all that much. Probably, you know? or not to the back office, or yeah. the sense of also, space is different. keep or... in mind that it wasn't as if it's just a big, empty space. It's a warehouse space on the bottom. It's got stuff stacked up. Mm-hmm. It's an office space. It's got walls. It's got people and desks. So there's mm-hmm. things that can sort of distort your sense of proportion. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever been in an office where you feel like this place just goes on and on and on, and then suddenly it feels like you're in an area that's really small. And... Every Monday through Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and there, it's just simply because of the way that it's arranged and what's in it. Yeah. And to a degree, I think that's what worked in the Frank's benefit. Mm-hmm. It mm. seems also likely that on the off chance that a worker does come up and say, oh, it seems like there should be more back there. You can say, oh, there was lab space back there, but we closed it off. Closed we didn't want to... They want to be wasting money on heat and yeah. light, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah, there's yeah. there's ways it's around defunct. it. Yeah. Or just say, shut up and take your paycheck and go home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just be happy you have <laughs> a job. Yeah, if they say something like they say, well, what? We don't know anything about any Jews. <laughs> we don't know no anything. one's there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we don't have eight people hidden in there. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so our, our, our eight people are called the hiders. And uh, mm-hmm. there were six people called the helpers who, who knew about them. And four of them worked there. And then there were two others. Uh, so our, our helpers were Victor Kuglar, Meep Kies, and I, I'm already mangling these, uh, Bep Vushkal, Johannes Kleiman, Jan Kies, uh, Johannes Vushkal, who was Bep's father. And Jan Kies was Mies Kies's, uh husband. Okay. Uh, they, they were the helpers, and they did stuff like, you know, first off, they kept their mouths shut about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Always important to do. And they, did, they would, would do other stuff, too. Like, like Jan would go out and find a way to get, uh, illegal way to get rationing cards, because they had to get food for these people, right? Mm-hmm. So he, had to, he procured rationing cards, and they all went out and got supplies for them. But most especially Meep did. She did a lot of shopping for those two years, and she was going out because she had to be low profile about it. She had to go out and a couple and times, probably right? several times a day, yeah. maybe. And she could only she would, her rule was to, to go to a, go to several different stores and 
at one by by a single bag of groceries, nothing mm-hmm. more, unless she could hide something under her coat mm-hmm. and then bring it back and then go to another store. So mm-hmm. she, I mean, these people worked hard. Yeah, over was all she those the two years. one who lived to be a hundred? Yeah, she died in two thousand ten. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember what website it was. I was reading some story, I think it was on The Guardian or something like that. And I was reading it, and they had a picture of her at 100 years old. And then they had a picture of her from, I think, 1940 or 1942. And Otto Frank was in the picture. But it was so weird. Is you, know, you, you see somebody, and you're trying to figure out what they looked like when they were younger. Except the photo was captioned incorrectly. And it said, so-and-so, bottom center left. And so and so, bottom center left, like two people wow. had. This. Oh. So it, I kept looking. I was so confused until mm-hmm. I finally figured out which one it was, because obviously she looked like her. But yeah. mm-hmm. it was really, it was really interesting that she managed to. She was the last one of all of these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the last survivor of the entire group. She must have been eating a lot of pine cones. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. it's pine cones. Yeah, I think it's Skittles. what my grandma tells me. Skittles. Some of the other things that they did, uh, they would keep them up to date on what's going on outside. I assume they brought in newspapers and books for them mm. to read. Um, Bep ordered correspondence courses in subjects like Latin and shorthands to keep them occupied. And the girls were taking those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... Uh, um, and doing really well. Yeah. yeah. Margot. Yeah, Margot. Right, Margot. She, yeah. Didn't she get perfect scores on her shorthand test or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They were... So, they were doing really well. Well, yeah, they kind of, it's, it's a good idea if you're sitting there. You Intelligent be... group of people, I think. Oh, yeah, smart smart yeah. people. And, uh, you know, they, the, the girls obviously weren't able to go to school, so they want to do something for mm-hmm. it to help them so they're not too far behind when the war's over. Mm-hmm. But as, as I said, to keep the factory workers, uh, the guys down in the, in the basement in the dark, they had to be very quiet during the daylight hours, and uh, they couldn't flush the toilet during work hours. Mm. They also had to be careful at night because they couldn't really have lights on and they couldn't have the curtains open. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because there's there's other buildings in mm-hmm. facing it yeah this yeah this uh this this is in a block of buildings and if, i don't know if you've looked at the aerials of it i'm yeah. sure you guys have yeah and so there's like a, almost like a courtyard which is all the backyards of these buildings which mm-hmm. is kind of, a, kind of an open space and so people across the way could look in the windows yeah so you had to keep those curtains shut yeah one supposes that you would simultaneously not wear your shoes and not be on the lowest most level that would do a lot of the you know, during the day yeah I that, that you would be able to walk around a little more freely but yeah i think you could talk in low voices well yeah because yeah, yeah. they're they're the lowest floor of their living space mm-hmm. their hiding space mm-hmm. was actually the second floor yeah but it also it looked like from the model it didn't share actually share it wasn't the same level there was a space of insulation or something in between the warehouse and the the floor. That's what it looked like to me. No. Hmm. But I don't know. it would still be you know, it's an old building. It's not gonna be no, it's that quiet. No, it's not soundproof. Yeah. No, not at all. But but yeah, I'm sure they were able to move around. They just couldn't be shouting or playing loud music or anything like that. Well, yeah. And yeah then, no Pictionary. Yeah. And then and then, uh, on the weekends sometimes um, Sometimes Otto would allow, allow Ann to go down and sit in his office at his desk, his old office from mm. when he was when he was worked there, and mm-hmm. so I'm sure that was a nice change. I mean, it's not much, but I mean, you know, but also was, a little privacy. Yeah, a little privacy, mm-hmm. so she Quiet could work out her diary yourself, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, kind of. Because she was, we didn't say this really. We didn't do the math for people. She was 13 when they went into hiding. I right? think, yeah. So yeah. she was she was in hiding from 13 to 15, 16. 15. Yeah, 15. Yeah. That's. That's a bad time. 
yeah. be necessarily around people 100% of the time. Good point. And she was working on her diary, and mm-hmm. she was very private about her diary. Yeah. And she was always, you know, all, not wanting anybody looking over her shoulder or anything. Yeah. And so, yeah, for her, that was probably really nice to be mm-hmm. able to go sit in Dad's office and work on the diary. Absolutely. And just you be know, away from everybody else. Yeah. I, I have a, a question about the diary. Because this is, uh, I obviously, as we said, didn't read it. Mm-hmm. But when I was reading stuff about it, it sounded like she edited the contents of her diary yeah. continually. Uh-huh. So yeah. that when the diary, when she was taken away, the diary was in the voice of 15-year-old Anne Frank. Mm-hmm. Even though it had initially, in the beginning, been written by 13-year-old Anne Frank. Uh-huh. Which is just, it's so... It's a skewed perspective in a way. Do you see? Do you, do you yeah, know what I'm saying? I think the sense I had was it wasn't so much. I mean, obviously, it wasn't go back and delete because it was handwritten, presumably in pen. The impression I had it was more cross out and write in the margin or just write notes in the margin. I know there was one bit where it said she had written something about how much she hated her mother and she wasn't a mother of hers. And, and then, then she she'd went gone back and, back and crossed it. out yeah. and said, like, Anne, what are you saying? What are you doing? That's so dumb. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I know that for me, you know, when I was a teenage girl, I kind of journaled off and on. And I would do things like that. I would go back and read and write little notes to myself in the margin and things like that. That was kind of the the impression that I had. Impression. But again, I also haven't read it, so I don't Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it just makes me think there's a book out there that I read years and years ago. Uh, Flowers for Algernon, I think is how you pronounce yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's written, you know, in this voice that evolves in maturity and then devolves again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, to me, it, it, it's almost as if... I remember there was a passage in the book where it said, I've been told not to go back and fix my writings in the beginning. And that's just one of those things that popped into my head when I was reading that yeah. about Anne. Well, she her wanted diary. to be a journalist. She decided. That's a good point. Everything I've read about it is that she recognized, and then, you know, literary critics afterwards recognized that her writing style improved infinitely. When of she course. was devoting herself, you know, yeah. that's all she was doing. She was. Yeah, she has a lot of time on her hands. And so I think she would probably you can you go back and you read that stuff if it's there if it's one of the only things that you have yeah. you're going to keep reading it and you'll get annoyed and think god it's so childish and she wasn't writing it as a book you know she yeah, was, it was writing it as a diary a for diary. herself so writing notes back in the margin and editing and saying what are you doing or that sounded dumb i can phrase it a better way that's true because we we sense. are all used to it as a book yeah, yeah. But which I, it wasn't intended to be no it wasn't it was, it was a girl's diary i i almost got the impression that she had her diary which was a book that she wrote in which she made corrections in and stuff but mm-hmm. that she started a second parallel one that kind of like copied it over and oh, changed no changed some of the names i didn't and, i it like heard it, that. it's like it like it almost appears as though she didn't start writing the diary with the intention of publishing it but that perhaps she decided she thought to herself that Maybe this could be published, and so she started. I, I hadn't wait. So you're yeah. saying she had a second book, or she was starting she had, over somewhere else in the? I book I, I heard rumors to that effect that she started a second one that was, a, huh. was in loose mm. loose leaf papers. Yeah, I don't know. That's oh, possible. It's, I don't yeah. know. Maybe there yeah. are because uh, I, I do remember hearing about Anne's papers being scattered on the floor. Yeah, that's a and, phrase and the you diary. see. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah. the diary was a bound book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a both. It was random. it was an autograph book, right? I think yes, it was, yeah. it was an yeah. autograph book. White yeah. and white and red checked. Yep. Yeah. Book. 
Wow, that's good detail. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Uh, sort of stuff yeah. I just read the wiki, dude. Yeah, yeah geez, I, man. That's uh, all we do. I know. <laughs> No, that's not all we do. There's... Make it very clear we go further than Wikipedia. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, and and by, by the way, if you want to investigate this mystery, there are a lot of websites out lot. there. Oh, yeah. my God. A lot of anyway, websites. Anyway, I'm sorry. We've kind of... Oh, yeah. We, yeah, we strayed. I that. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. We strayed way off path here. Uh, to finish off the story before we plunge into the, the suspects here, um, they were the hiders stayed hid for 24 or 25 months until Pretty August 4th, 1944. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the Germans showed up and arrest them, arrested them, and the rest, of course, is history. They were all sent to Auschwitz, where they mostly survived. But then in late 1944, Margot and Anne Frank were transferred to Bergen-Belsen. Their mother, Edith, stayed behind and starved to death in Auschwitz. Mm-hmm. And then in early 1945, there was a typhus epidemic in the Bergen-Belsen camp, and Margot and Anne both died. Edith died of starvation because... She was Anne and Margot had scabies, and mm. they weren't getting fed in their hospital, and so she was giving all her rations to them. Uh-huh, yeah, that's and what then, I heard, yeah, so that's why she And they were shipped starved. off, and then she subsequently starved because she there was no recovering from the amount of... Yeah, she'd just gone too long. And I, yeah. I, am I wrong in remembering that Anne and Margot were going to get sent somewhere other than the camp that they went yeah. to, but because, but of, the because scabies, of the scabies, mm-hmm. yeah. they were held back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they might, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they were shot. Because this is, obviously, if you can't figure out, it, scabies means it was a filthy environment. Oh, oh of course. Yeah. That's why they were. I mean, I think most everybody knows the conditions that well, the, the camps were. The oh, yeah. place they were put when they had scabies had no electricity and it was infested with rats. You know, that's, they said, oh, you have scabies? Okay, go go in this building to recover. And it was just rat infested. Just worse. Darkness. Uh-huh. That, <laughs> yeah. Fun times. Yeah. Yeah. Man, this yeah. is a bad time in history. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, this kind of stuff is going to continue to happen, though. Again, I'm going to bravely predict mm-hmm. it'll happen again. Yeah. Uh, but there's a little controversy over her uh, date of death. Some say uh, mid-February, others say the end of March. But um, the most recent scholarship on the, on the subject says she died about mid-February. Yeah. Yeah. Which I uh, honestly prefer. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather it. she died earlier and that it wasn't so heartbreakingly close to the liberation in, uh, what was it, April 15th? April 15th, 15th, 1945. If she died at the end of March, that's just heartbreaking. That's just two weeks away. Yeah. I know, I know. Yeah. Really bad. So, yeah. So only Otto Frank survived out of all eight people. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, so lucky for him, but he didn't have a lot to come home to. Uh, apparently, when he came home, he was very skinny. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I bet. He moved in with... with uh, I don't think anybody in concentration camps was fat. Uh, no, you don't, mm. except for the guards. Well... Yeah. yeah. So he returned to Amsterdam and um, and moved in with, with Meep and Jan Gies. And and there, uh, I'm not sure exactly when he got got back to Amsterdam, but uh, he was awaiting word of, of Margot and Anne. Mm-hmm. And he finally got word in July of 1945 that they were dead. So apparently that was kind of a blow. He knew pretty early that Edith was dead, right? I think so, yeah. yeah. And I think it was right around that time that, that me pulled out the, the, the diary and the papers and gave them to him. And also, let me talk about the, the helpers just a little bit. Uh, obviously, the four people there were taken into custody. Victor Kugler and Johannes Kleiman were arrested and sent off to prison camp. And Kugler was uh, in the work camps almost until the end of the war, but he was being he was being marched. Like he and about six hundred other guys were being forced marched, and they were eventually supposedly going to go to Germany. But 
apparently there was some bombing going on in the immediate area. Everybody was taking cover. There was confusion. He managed to get away, and so he escaped. So good for him. And then Clayman was uh, released about six or seven weeks after he was arrested because he had had health problems. And so, which is weird when we've just talked about the terrible health conditions in the places that these people were put. Mm-hmm. Well, he wasn't Jewish. Though. Yeah, he wasn't Jewish, and so they good weren't point. they weren't as harsh. They, they, they didn't. Yeah, they were sympathetic. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, and then also, of course, uh, Meep and Bep were the two other ones. They were both women, of course. And they were, uh, they were interrogating release. And Meep said later that she caught a lucky break because the policeman, the guy I talked about before, uh, his name was Carl Silberbauer. And he turns out he was from Vienna. And he was the guy who was interrogating her. It turns out Meep was also from Vienna. Then she just jumped up and smiled and said, So oh, I hear from your accent, you're from Vienna. Me too. You know? And so he softened a little bit and cut her a break. And let her go. It seems also, and, and also it would have been, as the wife of somebody, mm-hmm. there's some plausible deniability there. It yeah. seems easier to say, my husband made me do it. Yeah. In the sensibilities of 1945? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, currently mm-hmm. less so. Yeah. But more than when you say, oh, my husband made me do it, I didn't want to do it, but he said he'd beat me if... Yeah, something. You know. And what? I'm from Vienna, and oh my, and the, we're, we're childhood friends, and yeah, blah, 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 I know, blah, blah, blah. I know. It's, so it's a yeah. little. There's a little more plausible deniability there. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, so they they went back to the annex the next day and, and gathered up some of the loose stuff, like the Anne's papers and the diary. And uh, Meep kept those in a drawer. They read the they read the diary. They decided it was pornographic, and they burned it. No. <laughs> <laughs> you weirdo. Yeah. No, but they did say that if. If Meep they said. had read it, she didn't. She say yeah. she said if I had read it, I would have burned it. She said that. Yeah, she didn't read it. She respected Anne's privacy. She was expecting actually Anne to survive because they they all knew the war was close to end to the mm-hmm. end. She was expecting to see Anne again, and so she planned to give it back to her. Uh, but she did say that apparently, turns out it had the names of all the helpers, mm-hmm. not just the four in the building, but the other two, mm-hmm. and it had the names of some of their black market suppliers in it. And so that's why she said she would have burned it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Because if it had gotten, if the Germans had got a hold of it, oh yeah, then they would have been the whole the show would have gone down. The possible deniability goes away. Oh uh, yeah, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> as soon as somebody says, "Oh, she's been going all these different places. It's great. Uh-huh. She totally knows what's going on," then you're you're just kind of screwed. You're yeah, hosed, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I guess lucky for us, Meep didn't read the diary, and so it survived. Um, in 1940, as I mentioned, there have been numerous investigations, uh, 1948, uh, 63, 86, 2003. Didn't the and, first investigation get launched because, didn't Otto get the book put out in 47? Yeah, it came, yeah. He, he, pu- he got it published the first time in 1947, is that correct? Yes, it was. Yeah, and, and so that's, that's why I... I always got the feeling that the investigation in 48 was prompted because of the instant popularity of the book. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Seems likely. And by the way, the one that was published in 48 was uh, edited by Otto Frank because it had a few salacious bits in it. And so, salacious. Yeah, a little bit. Because <laughs> she I, kissed a boy, right? I like, well, I, there's, there's t- she talks about touching her genitals and stuff like that. Oh, I get really yeah. offended. This is when my... Feminism? Well, 
I mean, I think, yeah, this is when my kind of feminist flag flies. I get really, really upset when people talk about how offensive and pornographic it is because, like, it's totally fine to talk about dudes masturbating all the time. But as soon as a 15-year-old girl is like, I'm exploring my body a little bit, people are like, no, pornographic, that's awful. My kids cannot read it. It's awful. Ban it. Nah. Burn it. No. But, you know, I just, like, I just get so about mad about it. But the thing about it is, is Otto Frank was her father. And probably I understand He that. wanted to preserve her privacy Absolutely. a little bit. Absolutely, I understand at that point, but that was very private stuff. This has come up too that schools have been giving their 14, 15, 16, 17 year old kids the unedited version of Diary of a Young Girl, and parents are outraged because there's this little bit about Anne Frank discovering herself as a woman and it's listen if as a parent incredible. I don't have the balls to talk to my children about sex then it no makes book sense should take my place because yeah. you don't have balls yeah it's fine it doesn't exist if I don't tell them about it that's yeah. right now nah, they can learn about it from the internet that's <laughs> and a, they do oh they hell do. yeah they do <laughs> But anyway, so we're, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're okay, yeah. I'm sorry. But anyway, I just had so, to get really angry about yeah, that. Yeah, for anybody out there who didn't know, there's the unabridged version of it, which has got all these these little details it's in it. It's totally pornographic, you it's guys. It's totally porn, Probably yeah. Probably like five pages longer. <laughs> yeah, Probably. Yeah, I don't think he cut... I, I have no idea how much yeah, cut, I don't cutting know how out he did. Cut and out, by, to and, be honest. And by the way, this is totally unrelated to our mystery, but there are people who claim that Otto Frank wrote the diary himself. I mean, oh, it's, it's all, a fake! It's a fake yeah, diary. Yeah, and there are people. Yeah, there are people who claim that the whole thing was a complete fake and mm-hmm. a hoax. And uh, there have been lawsuits over this and all kinds of back and forth. Silly. Lots of handwriting experts have confirmed that Anne wrote it. And yeah, I mean, so obviously she did. Mm-hmm. But there are still people out there trying to claim that it's all just a fake. Yeah. Yeah, just fiction. Just like nine eleven was an inside job. Oh, but yeah. let's be fair. Even if it is fiction. Still a very compelling, interesting story that's important for people to read. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Even though I'm not, I'm probably never going to read it myself. No. But <laughs> yeah. And now that I know, I, I know the, I know the bare bones of the yeah. story. So that's enough. <laughs> I get yeah. it. I yeah. know what it's I, I, I get the, I get the lesson there, you know. <laughs> we shouldn't dump on each other, you Yeah. Know? Yeah, should, should be, be kind to each other, don't be, be excellent Nazis. to each yeah, other. You know? Yeah, don't gas the Jews. Yeah, yeah that kind of stuff. You normal, know? normal stuff. Yeah, yeah. The, the stuff they teach you in citizenship back, yeah. in, back in school. Normally. Yeah. They don't uh, have that course anymore, just so you know. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the suspects. That could have that, ratted that, them out. That could have thinked on them. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so is this basically our theory section then? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, these guys are in no particular order. Actually, our second suspect was actually the popular suspect first in the, in 1948 and 63 and then but he's falling out of favor yeah a little bit our first one is tony allers uh, who was a business associate of autos i think but i have to admit the relationship between otto frank and tony allers and tony is short for anton or it's it's a nickname but the relationship between those two is a little bit of a mystery to me. Um, there's a lot of confusing, conflicting information out there. One is that they were just business associates uh, or friends gone south or uh, enemies. I, I don't really know. Business rivals. Isn't business this rivals. the guy who was trying to extort money from Otto? Well, supposedly. Uh, supposedly he tried to extort a little money due to a letter that one of his employees had written. Mm, to, and that he was maybe kind of a braggart. And yeah, he, there was always that, too. He uh, Liar. Uh, and yeah, Oh, yeah. yeah, And a, and a criminal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, apparently he did have a sort of rival business, but he actually bought stuff from his from Otto Frank's company. Mm. Uh, so he was maybe... Maybe a bit of a middleman. Yeah. 
I think so. Mm-hmm. But I read in the Guardian from the UK that Allers did denounce Jews and members of the Dutch underground to the Germans during the war. Okay. So, uh, so, so that's a mark in his favor for being our snitch. And in 2002, a writer named Carol Ann Lee published a biography of Otto Frank. And right after that, she was contacted by Tony Allers' son, Anton. And Anton is sure that Tony was a rat. Wow. So yeah. his son, his son is, is sure even that... saying, oh, no, my dad definitely did that. Uh-huh. We've actually done a number of stories in the past months where this has been the case where yeah. Yeah, the a kid. child, after the fact, has come out and said, my parent was a scumbag and obviously did it. Because that's, I mean, that's what he's, uh, it's he's saying It's almost here. like children resent mm, their parents. And maybe, like, not always bad, even if their parents are bad. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, no, it does seem mm-hmm. like Anton was uh, not, nothing like his dad. Mm-hmm. His dad was his dad was a real piece of work. Very, you know, a huge anti-Semite, pro-Nazi. I think he was actually a member of the Dutch Nazi party. Yeah, I read that somewhere. Yeah. Anton contacts this writer, Carol Ann Lee, and says that he, he, was, a, he was the rat. Uh, and uh, there is evidence that Tawny really didn't like Otto Frank even though they were associates, because Carol Ann Lee has got some copies of some letters mm-hmm. that were written by Tani, apparently. So he didn't like Otto, so there's, there's, there's one motive. Uh, also, Tani's brother Kaz told Carol Ann Lee that Tani told him at some point in the past that he was the one who had ratted out the, the Frank family. And also, one of the guys who showed up at the raid on the annex on August 4th was a friend of Tani's. Mm. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was actually. He had actually apparently moved in with them, or moved into the same building at least, but just the day before. In her book, Lee said that uh, the reason that Allers held off as long as he did before he dropped his dime is that his company actually depended on Otto Frank's company for supplies. Mm. But his company went bankrupt, and so at that, so that it point, didn't it didn't really matter. And uh, there was also a bounty on Jews of 40 guilders ahead, and so there was a money motive there. So Tony Allers told people he did it. He had a motive to do it, which included money, anti-Semitism, and a personal dislike of Otto Frank. But on the other hand, how did he find out there were people living in the end? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how often he went by that business. I, it, apparently, there is, inf- there is evidence that he went by on an occasional basis, at least, to pick stuff up. But was he there long enough to actually find, you know, detect or, you know, figure out that there were people there? I don't think so. Well, I guess it's possible if he had business dealings with Otto while the back annex was still a laboratory, it's possible that eventually he kind of put two and two together and said, there is an annex back there. No one's seen the Franks recently. And they conveniently aren't using that space anymore. And there's a bookcase yeah. upstairs. Hey, yeah. well, yeah, but I it's don't... probably worth your time to go check that out. It could have been. I mean, I, I still think that I'm not. I'm not really sure that he, there was any way that he could have known, unless I, there's one way he possibly could have figured it out. But I, I just want to say the uh, against his uh, being the rat. At the time he made his statements, this was well after the fact. This is well after the, after the diary had been published. Decades. Yeah, and it was, and so it was a huge, a huge deal. It was all well known, and that's when he started telling people that he was the one that ratted him out. But he was a well known liar, and and he just probably wanted to, you know, insert himself into the story. Whatever, even though that it makes him kind of the bad guy, he probably didn't care because he was a jerk. It, he possibly could have found out from one or more of the employees that worked there. Oh, yeah, and maybe the employees figured it out. Mm. They were the they were the guys that were you know much more like. They would he, yeah they would be the ones mm-hmm. to 
to know. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Yeah. I guess it's certainly possible that they would have figured it out, but, you know, liked Otto or didn't have the guts to have that on their conscience or yeah. whatever. They maybe didn't even know. They kind was... of vaguely thought, or even you, you know, go out at the bar and you're like, that's the weirdest thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think it's weird, haunted or something. Weird's going on. Yeah, toilets flushing all by themselves. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah I, uh, but I think most people are not about to rat people out and send them off to their desks. Gosh, you, you know? would hope not. You would You, you kind of hope for the good in people, but during this time, I kind of... I, I'm willing to that say goes out the window a for a lot of people yeah. because there's suddenly the fear and self-preservation. Yeah, and also overrides it. And also, uh, you know, the anti-Semitism was pretty pretty rampant in Europe at the time, and kind of still is in a way. But I mean, it's not as bad as it was, but uh, it's still there. Well, let's move on to our next suspect, Willem van Maren. That's a mouthful. Yeah, I know, Willem yeah. van Maren. Uh, uh, he was hired as a warehouse manager after the Franks and company took up residence in the annex. Mm. Uh, apparently, the previous manager had become ill and left his job. Uh, so he wouldn't have felt the affinity for Otto that yeah, not really. other employees would have. Yeah, probably okay. not. Doesn't doesn't make him a bad guy, but no. he didn't know didn't know Otto and, the, and his family. Yeah. Uh, but he was reportedly really curious about the rooms at the back of the building and asked a lot of strange questions. Like one time he asked, did a guy named Otto Frank work here at some point? Where did, where would he have gotten that from? Well, yeah, I don't know. I, I, maybe he got it from Tony Allers yeah. or, you know, it might, it might just be that he came across an old invoice that was mm-hmm. signed by Otto Frank too. I mean, mm-hmm. who knows? I mean, that, that could have been the entire genesis of the question. So yeah. it's not necessarily that suspicious. He may have at one, point, at one point or another heard some noises. People get careless, especially after two years. Well, and if he's the manager, there are people who take that position amazingly seriously. And everything that goes on in that place needs to be under their supervision and they need to know. So he may have felt that he, he had to investigate it all. Yeah, I know. And he was, he, he did suspect that, uh, he did suspect that people were entering the warehouse at night. Mm-hmm. And he left these little telltales around. Yeah, and I yeah. guess it's yeah. At that point, you think maybe he thought it was people breaking in. Yeah, he might have thought it was that. You know, maybe that it was or you know, squatters some, or, or squatter something. was breaking in, and they were going to take inventory. And yeah, at yeah. that point, you, if you're the foreman, you're, yeah, you're the, the one you're who gets screwed if stuff goes missing. It's so, your fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I although, can understand that. Although at the same time, the the interesting thing is is that he was actually stealing stuff from the warehouse himself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I guess then you then he's building a case. Mm-hmm. Right? He's saying, oh, people are breaking in. It's the weirdest thing, and things are going missing. That's, that's entirely then, possible. And the f- blame doesn't fall on him. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if the, if the hiders ever... I know they, they came out into the offices occasionally. I don't know mm-hmm. if they ever actually went down the, into the warehouse. Probably over the course of two years, at some point or another. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, if, I were hiding in, if I were hiding up there, I would, I would leave at 2 in the morning and just take a brief walk mm-hmm. and come back. And they might have even done that. I don't know. Be risky, but you gotta. You gotta do it. There is a. There are a few references to Van Maren in Anne Frank's diary. Believe it or not, uh, apparently the, the hiders were wary of him. They've been informed about him and his questioning and all that stuff. And so, well, all and that, he he didn't he set traps and stuff. Not not so much traps as like he would he would like leave things around that would easily be knocked off if somebody walked by, like a piece of paper on the edge of a piece of furniture and that kind of thing. 
So he was, he, he really seriously felt that somebody was getting in there. And so. Mm. I can see why that would be cause for concern for them. Yeah. And yeah. so. This guy is super, super snoopy. Yeah. And so it, it really put the, the Franks and the hiders, or, and the helpers, I mean, the hiders and the helpers, it mm. put them in a kind of a strange position because this guy was, because he was so inquisitive, he was a threat. He should have, they should have fired him. But at the same time, if you fire the guy and he's all embittered, Mm-hmm. He might go to the police with That's what he knows. Why you just kill him? Yeah, I know that might yeah. have been the thing to do. I know, yeah. but uh, make him sit in that yeah. bathroom that you can't. And, and the, yeah. the diary would have been Anne Frank, girl assassin. Yeah, and history would have been completely. <laughs> yeah. different. It would have been so much better. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, here's here's what Frank said about him though. It says, "Quote: uh, We wouldn't care what Mister Van Maren thinks of the situation or thought of the situation, except that he's known to be." unreliable, and to possess a high degree of curiosity. He's not one to let himself be fobbed off with a flimsy excuse. Sure. So, so he wasn't buying the, oh, we just closed it off yeah. excuse, right? Yeah, or the, the whole you know, evidence that the hiders were coming out and moving around mm-hmm. in the rest of the building after hours. Mm-hmm. It, and uh, that was a theft, of course. Uh, and a worker at the warehouse, uh, Lambert Hartog, testified that Van Maren told him two weeks before the raid that Jews were hiding in the building. Hmm. Suspicious. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like Van Maren knew. Uh, but he was questioned in the 1948 and the 1963 investigations, and he admitted that he had suspicions. He knew, he knew something was up in the annex, but he didn't, he didn't tip off the Gestapo, he said. Hmm. He really yeah. didn't like him, though. He, the Gestapo. The no, he, he wasn't pro-Nazi at all. Uh, yeah, and so, you know, maybe he needed the money. I don't know. But he, he was apparently aware of Dutch resistance activity in his neighborhood and, and didn't tip anybody off about that stuff either. Yeah. So he wasn't pro-Nazi or pro-German or anything. I'm inclined to think errant word to the wrong person. There's that, possibly. At this, at this time, you it, know, you... Yeah, if you, he's if he's like thinking like Tony talking to Tony Allers and says, "Hey, you know, there's there's hinky stuff going on here," or Tony, even talking know? to like a coworker out at the bar that somebody happens to be at, mm. you know, that you think you're safe, you think nobody's listening, and you say it's it's weird. It's it, curtains are getting left open. The my traps are getting. That's why they made the poster. You know, slips sink ships uh-huh. because yeah. just saying the simplest uh-huh. thing, the yeah. right set of ears. Puts it together, absolutely, and the whole thing falls apart. Yeah, mm. so it's it's possible. I, I tend to think that he's uh, he's innocent, uh, and Meep Geese for her. Well, let me say that right, Meep Geese. That's better. Said in 1997 in an interview that she didn't think Van Maren was the informant, and I think Otto. I think actually um, Otto Frank said so too. I don't know. I the thing I keep struggling with is. You know, like Steve said, with the like, segregation, doesn't make sense to me. The the fact that somebody could, in good conscience, not feel awful about themselves in telling people these people are someplace, and you know they're off to like almost certain death. That's insane to me. I getting in that mm-hmm. mindset is insane to me. And unless you are kind of a liar, or a braggart, or a brown noser, or pro Nazi, I can't imagine anybody who wasn't avidly pro Nazi. Deliberately turning, Deliberately them in. turning yeah. people in. No, unless, well, you know, maybe you're a sociopath and you're and you're not, you don't really care one way or the other about the Nazis, but you're a sociopath and it's forty guilders ahead. So hey, you know, why not? 
But, yeah. but the thing is, Joe and I uh, talked about this story a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I was bringing up is because he was basically saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about the fact that, well, there's these people that we like, you know, the collaborators. People hate the collaborators mm-hmm. who helped the Nazis do what they did, but didn't necessarily support them. A lot of those people did what they did out of fear and just this thought that this is my only way to survive. These people are going to win mm-hmm. and I can either go ahead and die mm-hmm. or I can survive. And so it could be one of those situations where somebody felt required to say something. Yeah. yeah, I, mean, I, yeah. I don't have yeah. a choice here. If I don't say something and they find out I know, they're going to kill both of us. Yeah, yeah I know. There was, and there, was a, there was a lot of collaboration going on in World War II. Absolutely. I mean, the, uh, like the, the famous French resistance. Uh, every, you know, it turns out everybody was in the French resistance. Mm. But, yeah, not really. Not, yeah. not, not, not at all. Yeah, same with the resistance in, in, in with the Dutch. Yeah. But... Luckily, there were still plenty of people, like our six helpers, for yes. example. Yeah. Were some yeah. good people around. Oh, yeah. yeah. There were plenty of good people, but there were plenty of rats. Okay, our next suspect. Uh, Martin Sliegers, uh, who was the night watchman at the business. Although he, he wasn't actually on premises. He um, mm, he was like the active one. or he, Yeah, he was responsible for a number of properties. So he bicycled around the canals, you know, just mm. checking on various properties. Mm-hmm. And uh, he noticed... In April 1944, that the building had been burgled. Apparently, the door was open or something. So he called in a policeman, and they went through the, the building looking for ne'er-do-wells. Didn't find any, and uh, got as far as the, as the bookcase, but didn't discover the annex. I heard they, the policeman fiddled That's why I heard that, too. Bookcase. Yeah, they, I don't know what exactly that was about. I mean, obviously, he didn't fiddle with it enough to move it, move it out, aside and see that there was a door behind yeah. it. I, yeah. I get the impression that the bookcase wasn't flush against the wall. If you look at the pictures of it from the Anne Frank house, and I've seen pictures of it open, and unfortunately, the pictures I've seen where it's closed, they're straight on. Uh-huh. But I, I get the impression that... There was a bit of a recess between the door and the bookcase itself, and somebody may have figured it out. Yeah. I'm 99% sure that the pictures you were looking at were all recreations, because I don't think there's any pictures of the original one. Oh, okay. See, and these are these are things that were from the Anne Frank house, so I don't know. They, yeah, they, they may very well... Oh, it. okay. See? That's great to know, because I <laughs> presumed, like an idiot, that the Anne Frank house would have actual pictures. Yeah, uh-huh. it kind of seems like the sort of thing you wouldn't take pictures of. If you had this bookcase that was covering something, you wouldn't be like, and this is our bookcase. It's not suspicious at all, but we have pictures of it anyway. Well, I just meant years, you know, after Otto got home... This somehow. I think made. they destroyed it. Oh, okay. I, that was my impression they when destroyed the bookcase came in. That it was just like that bookcase was not going back up. Okay. The, well, hey. Okay. Then never mind. I just I. That's why. But I yeah, I don't they know why. I don't know what the fiddling with it. Yeah, I don't know exactly what that entails. It's kind I of, guess it's kind of vague. And, yeah, yeah, and I think probably I a read... guy going, "This bookcase sucks. None of the books come off of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. all glued here for yeah. some reason. They're all hollow, made of cardboard. Yeah. yeah. I think I read something that said that they they had fiddled with it and moved it a bit, but yeah. that everyone yeah. was really confident that the police officers hadn't reported them. Yeah. Yeah. But 
uh, that I'm inclined. I don't know. I want, I want to believe that like everybody knew that the Franks were back there and everybody said, but let's keep them back there. Yeah. That in my brain, that's the best of the stories. Well, yeah, I think that, uh, there were probably after, after more than two years, there's probably a lot of people suspected something. Oh, I'm sure. And a lot, and everybody, but one person kept their mouths shut. Yeah. And I can't, I really can't imagine a situation in which somebody would say, Oh yeah, Otto used to own that building, and there's that annex they don't use back there anymore. Yeah, and we haven't seen the Franks in two years. That'd be but handy for stores of Jews. Yeah, that's not suspicious yeah. at all. I can't imagine a single person who knew that situation not thinking they were back there. Oh yeah, but I hopefully everybody just kept their mouth shut. I think I think a lot of people did. Um, and actually, I forgot to mention that when they left their apartment, they sort of they left behind some some papers and things like that that mm-hmm. kind of just kind of give people the impression that they had gone to uh, Switzerland. I heard they left Flint it in, in disarray night. as well. They left it in disarray. So it kind of looked like they had just left really they suddenly. They just left in a hurry and they and So that whenever with... the house was searched, yeah, it would yeah. look like People think, oh, they fled to Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, so uh, Oh, anyway, let's go back to our, our night watchman Martin Sleegers. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's really nothing against him to speak of. I mean, he was just doing his job. Uh, he called the police and they went through the place mm-hmm. and so... I would say that even though he's been named as a suspect by a few places, he's pretty weak. Pretty I weak think, suspect. Yeah. You, yeah. You name him as a suspect because he might have maybe known about it. Maybe. Know. All right. Waiting on you, sir. All right. Uh, okay. Our next suspect, uh, Nellie Vushkal. Nellie Vushkal was the sister of uh, Bev Vushkal. Uh, and just this year, a book, like April 2015, mm. uh, a book by, by Bev Vushkal's son, son and a Flemish journalist. Uh, claim that Bep's sister, Nellie Vushkal, might have been the rat. Their, the basis of this claim is that she was an, a Nazi collaborator for four years. Mm. And they base this mostly on testimony from Bep's other sister, Diney? Mm. You don't, do you think Diney? Yeah. Diney? I don't know. Diney. And also uh, uh, a guy who was Bep's fiance at that time. Burtis? Uh, yeah. Burtis? Yeah, Burtis. She reportedly, this is Nellie once again, the sister of Bep. Reportedly, she once said to Bep and Johannes Voskal, go then, go to your Jews. Even though they hadn't told her, somehow she seemed to have found out about it. So, well, what, I so guess she had a suspicion of some kind. It seems Bep was the one who was doing all of the grocery shopping, right? Uh, it was or no, Meep. It was Meep. Yeah. Okay, never mind. I was going to say, if somebody's coming home with a bunch of groceries from a bunch of places and then you're not eating any of them and they're disappearing anyways... The evidence is pretty stark, but if it wasn't Bep, then... Well, I was going to say, though, is that in the defense of, of this Nelly for... Nelly, right? Yeah. I'm pronouncing that correctly? I don't know. I think so. As, as so. we're <laughs> pronouncing uh-huh. it? Okay, because yeah. I'm the great mispronouncer, anger of the internet, just making sure. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's probably... Um, it's in Dutch, so it's probably Niwi. Um, but no, the point really, is... Yeah. My point is that they may have been in private outspoken critics of the Nazi rhetoric and against Jews. They may have said, this is so dumb. Why are we doing this? And being PO'd at him, just said, fine, go do that. Go with, be with your, your people that you want to save. I yeah, mean, it could have been. You know, parents yell this again, fine, go to the rainforest and save the squirrels or yeah. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it could have been. It could have been just saying, "Hey, Something you is not, yeah. it's innocuous yeah. at that point." Yeah, exactly. So, 
Uh, again, the, the case against Nellie is pretty pretty thin. Again, the, the the helpers had good reason to keep their mouths shut about this. Yeah. Big time good reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They actually, the helpers got off roll easy compared to what could have happened to them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It, and so... Uh, because I think, it w- wasn't it, it I, I could be making this up, but I'm pretty sure that helpers were treated, it, as soon as you were a Jew sympathizer, you were as good as a Jew. Uh, uh, yeah, not not quite that bad. Pretty I mean, close, these, when right? these guys got caught, their their punishment was not nearly as harsh. These guys, but I think that that was the kind but of. But there were, but there you could have. They could have been executed. Yeah. you know, they really could have been executed or sent off to one of the mm-hmm. one of the, the big camps, Auschwitz right. or somewhere like that. Yeah, and that's you know? that's exactly Which, what I mean. It's for the lesson of history of the two choices, execution was the better. Better, yeah, way really. better. Yeah, way other, easier. Otherwise, yeah. yeah, it's quicker. Yeah, otherwise you go off and you uh, either are starved and worked to death, or you die of disease like Anne Frank did. And her or sister. you're experimented on. And or you're experimented on. Yeah, that's even that worse too. somehow. Yeah, become Magneto. Well, let's move on to another suspect here, Lena Hartog, uh, also known as Lena Hartog Van. Uh, it's probably Lena Hartog, but mm-hmm. uh, Lena Hartog Van Bladeren. I'm probably mispronouncing that, too. Fine. Yeah, she was the wife of that warehouse worker I was talking about, Lamont Hartog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he was the one that was told by Van Maren that there were Jews in the building. She also worked in the building as a cleaner. uh, And so, undoubtedly, her husband told her what he had heard. Mm. Uh, And and, uh, she was named as a suspect uh, in a biography of Anne Frank written by Melissa Mueller and published in 1998. And according to testimony in 1948, in the 1948 investigation, Anna Anna Gannot... Uh, who was somebody who Lena also worked for. She didn't just clean the the spaces at Otto Frank's building. She cleaned other places, too. Weird, yeah. Yeah. So uh, she was her employer, and Anna was Lena's employer, and Lena said that she was worried about her husband's safety because he worked in a building where Jews were being hidden. Mm. So it appears that Lena knew. Lena and her husband both knew about the Franks. Mm-hmm. But this, again, this goes in line with what Devin was talking about earlier, where everybody's like, oh, there's nobody in that building, but we all really know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's 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 how I, I take that. Yeah. yeah, I know. I think that... I can I... see the... I guess I can see her going and in in attempt to protect her husband from being accused as a sympathizer. Oh, going to the authorities? Mm-hmm. And reporting and saying, my husband and I couldn't possibly be involved in this thing. There are Jews living up there. We told you, so yeah. it's not our fault. We just yeah. found out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, um, the, on, on, the, on the other side of the ledger, though, um, if she was so concerned about her husband, then why was he there on the day of the raid? Because he was. Yeah. Yeah. And... But I, no, I don't believe it for a second, but I'm, I don't know, I'm playing devil's advocate. Yeah. I'm going back and forth she's, here. She's a weak candidate. <laughs> uh, on, on the other, other hand, one of the, I can't remember which one it was, one of the helpers that was at the office that day said that when the, when the police showed up, uh, he like already had his coat on. He was out the door. Mm. Yeah. So. Like he had spotted the cops or knew the cops were coming at a certain time. Yeah. It's like, oop, I'm out of here. <laughs> so, mm. uh, I don't know. I really don't know, but uh, you know, it's just it just seems like a bad idea because the problem if, from his point of view, if if he and his wife were actually thinking about ratting on the Franks and and company, is that the uh, most of the, the the people that you work for are going to get carted off to the camps? Yeah, in most likelihood, not a so, great business model. Yeah, and so and so by doing what you're doing, you're kind of guaranteeing the closure of the business that pays your salary. And so he had a, he actually had a financial incentive to keep his mouth shut. Yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? 
yeah. So that's why I'm thinking both Lena and her husband are probably not suspects. Uh, as far as another suspect, Anna Janot. Uh, why not? I, I know. Uh, yeah, I know. What the hell? Why the hell not? <laughs> because she did. She was told that there were Jews hiding in the warehouse. But I just threw that one in for fun. I don't. I don't have any reason to believe she is. And of course, another theory is that uh, they ratted themselves out just by getting careless, leaving <laughs> windows and. I'm going to be open. honest. This is the one I'm leaning towards. Yeah. How many times have you moved into a place and you've had to be one, you had to do something very specifically and there's these rigid rules and then you start to get more and more lax about it? You're going to get careless. You're going to get careless. You're going to leave the window cracked. You're going to leave the blinds parted. You're going to talk in a normal voice instead of a Mm. hush tone. Mm. You're just going to automatically flush the toilet in the middle of the afternoon because you really felt like that should have been flushed right away. I mean, like this, this just happens. Yeah. People mm-hmm. just tend to get comfortable yeah. and go back to their old habits. Particularly yeah. if you've been living there for two years. Yes. Two yeah. years. And you think, well, we haven't been caught yet. Yeah. You might get, uh, you might just thinking, what the hell? You yeah. know, we're bulletproof. Yeah. But, um, you know, I Somebody still. Somebody crank up the gramophone. I know. May uh, as well. Let's have a tap dancing competition. Yeah. In but, the middle of the day. But, yeah, I, I still. I still think that it, it wasn't one of those situations where somebody heard some weird stuff going on next door or the building across the way, was talking in the cafe, was overheard by a Nazi collaborator. Mm-hmm. There, was a, there was a deliberate tip, tip off. There was a phone call made. So somebody did rat them out. It just yes. it was probably not nobody on our list here. It could have been somebody who lived nearby. I, somebody who lived across the street or worked yeah, yeah. across the street and just kept seeing this weird stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, quite possibly one of their neighbors that uh, suspected something was going on. Or anti- saw a curtain open. Or saw people in there when, when it was a business where there shouldn't have been people there on the weekend or after hours. Mm-hmm. There was money to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great way to curry favor with the occupiers. Mm-hmm. So that most likely is it. Probably nobody on our list. Just some random person watching the building and thought, hey, there's some Jew hiding going on here and ran them out. Going yeah. On here. <laughs> yeah. Wow, happening? did you just make that one up? Yeah. 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 Boy. I, yeah. yeah. Uh, the problem with the mystery is there's just too many people who could have known and, and could have had suspicions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the policeman, I remember I talked about him, Carl Silberbauer, the, mm-hmm. the guy from Vienna who was, yeah. He uh, headed the raid, and he was tracked down in Vienna in 1963 by Simon Wiesenthal. You've heard of Simon Wiesenthal, right? I think so. No. You never heard of him? I haven't. Very, very famous Nazi hunter. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's okay. Yeah. yeah, I knew I'd heard the name. Yeah, and, uh, and so Wiesenthal tracked him down in Vienna because he was back in Vienna. Mm. He was uh, working on the Vienna police force at the time, and he was asked about the call that was made. Mm-hmm. and. Silberbauer said that the call was made to his superior officer. He had no idea who the caller was. Hmm. And he was he was just basically told to go to the apartment or go to the annex and arrest these people. Hmm. And so well, that's what he did. Well, and, but he had no idea. And unfortunately, the guy, the, the superior officer who actually took the call, committed suicide not long after the war. So the one person who probably knew the identity of the caller is Or at least dead. the gender. Oh, yeah, the gender. Yeah, because nobody even knows the gender. A lot of people have said it was a woman, uh, but nobody really knows that for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and incidentally, uh, Silberbauer, he was, he was suspended from his job at the Vienna Police what? Department. What? Well, yeah, because he'd been doing this, you know, you know, sort of collaborating kind of stuff, you know. And, and then uh, 
But it turned out Otto Frank, of all people, uh, put in a word in his favor. He said that he felt like Silberbauer had been very civilized and, pl- and nice to them mm. and hadn't been, hadn't been brutal or anything like that or cruel. And that Which he was, you hear a lot of stories of guys in that position being. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, and that he felt Aunt Frank felt that he was just doing his job and following orders, and so, and so that actually got him reinstated in the Vienna police force. Gosh, yeah. that's one of those kind of like restorative moments. Kind of like for this, me, this you forgiveness know? stuff. Yeah, that yeah. like restores my faith in humanity. That somebody who's gone through lost literally everything that they ever had in their entire life, mm-hmm. and has gone through just more hell than we could ever understand would be so forgiving to be able to say that guy was just doing his job yeah it wasn't his fault that's on the level of the things that you hear about like gandhi or the dalai lama do where somebody brutalizes him beats the holy hell out of him and they just turn around and they're it's not your fault. I forgive you, mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. For some you effect, hear about in some it way, sometimes they... with sh- like mass shootings. Yeah. Every once in a while, people will come and comfort the family of the shooter. Yeah. You know the 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 people who are families of the victims. That's insane to me. Yeah. I would like to say that I would be that big of a person if something like that happened to me, but I definitely would not. No, you'd be yeah. held no. up at home with a gun. I'd be like, no, that yeah. dude did it. It was his yeah. fault. No, I think that uh... this is why we do show uh, stories that are over five years. Old, yeah. So that Devin can't get like that because I don't get vigilante yeah, on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, know, I agree. No, yeah. I think that uh, I don't. I don't think that uh, Otto Frank was, you know, all all saint like and Gandhi like. No, or I don't think like so that. either. But I think but that I was think, an incredible moment. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you know, you know, you got this this one guy who's you know perfectly fine, fine and perfectly nice to you. It says, "Sir, I'm, I'm so sorry, but." I gotta take you away. Mm-hmm. I apologize. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sympathetic, but you know, mm-hmm. if I don't do what they tell me to do, they're they gonna shoot me. They will kill me. me so. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> they'll yeah. kill us all. Yeah, and so. there's a bunch of other dudes here watching what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that's about it. Unless you guys have any any other theories or suspects. No, no, not really. Yeah, actually, I was gonna I was gonna try to like uh, fit the chupacabra into this one, but Shanna told me no way. Yeah, <laughs> I read that email. <laughs> She yeah, she did. She accused all three of us. She was like, if Steve, I mean, Devin, I mean, you <laughs> try to blame this on the chupacabra. Yeah. So, no, we're not going to go there. No, no chupacabra for this one. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. Uh, no. Yeah. So that's it. I think that uh, unless, you know, it's still possible. I mean, somebody might somewhere find some papers or something. I mean, Maybe, it's still but possible. at this point, I think that all of that stuff has been picked through with such a fine tooth comb. Oh, my God. I, I mean, this There's, is. This is one of, another one of those ones where so we talked about that in Hitter Kaifek. It's it's unsolvable at this point. Yeah. yeah. The, the the key pieces of the puzzle are just gone. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. They are. No, it's a, it, it'd be just an entire a fluke if you came across you know somebody's papers and everything like that, and it was all very 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 documented and everything. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Okay. Possible. I don't know. I doubt. I doubt that it's going to happen. Uh, if you've got any theories of your own, though. You can send us a, an email. That's uh, at thinking, thinking sideways podcast at gmail.com. If you are indeed the rat and you're still alive, well, you're pretty old. But so, yeah. <laughs> well, we'd love to hear from you. Well, we would love to hear from yeah. you. So come on, rat. Send us an email. Uh, our website where you can... Uh, you Frank can, Finker. Yeah. The Fink. Uh, our website is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. Of course, you can uh, listen to episodes there, leave comments. You can check our links, which we always put put up links. And there's a merch 
Yep. If you oh, yeah. want, there is if merch. you want to get a T-shirt or a mug or something, yep. and then or the, a Chupacabra the nightlight donate or... button. We've got right the there. donate button and the Patreon button there. But mm-hmm. which, by the way, we haven't said this in a while, and this is our bad. I know people have been hitting those buttons. And mm. Thank you very much. Thank you. That is true. We, we have been remiss. In, or we've that, been very bad about saying that. That's that, really close. Yeah. That is really yeah. true. Yeah. People have been like hitting the Patreon. It's good. Stuff. Yeah, you guys it's are really doing awesome. Real we guys appreciate it. Rock. Yeah. 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 You guys help to offset the cost of, of maintaining the website and all that because, you know, it does cost us money because we get a huge amount of traffic. So that means we have to pay extra. Yeah. Yeah. For that, for, for the website. Uh, what else? iTunes. Yeah. You can find us on iTunes. So please subscribe and review. Good review, preferably. Uh, you can stream us from just about anywhere. There's all kinds of streaming services. We're on Facebook. We have both our page and a group, so you can be part of both of those. And we're on Twitter. Uh, thinking sideways, not thinking, but thinking. I actually did a tweet the other day. Yeah. <laughs> you did a tweet? I did that's, a tweet! That's rare. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> I actually, I didn't notice that you did a tweet, so I'm, I'm going to have to go back and look at that. It was a single sentence in response to something. Oh. Because that's all I know how to tweet. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. We also have the the sub the subreddit thinking. Oh, oh I forgot about the subreddit. It's I haven't made a Reddit dead. yet. There's a there's an attempt at a conversation of every episode. It's it's interesting. If you're on Reddit, subscribe. I know a, a lot of those conversations are happening on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That seems to be the the more popular way. I, I'm not going to say it's the better way, but it's the more popular way currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but absolutely, the the Reddit thread is another place to go and discuss these things. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Good I'm point. there. So <laughs> if you see any of us, quote unquote us, talking on, on uh, Reddit, it's me. Yeah, probably. So come talk yeah. to me. Yeah. Uh, what else we got to talk about here? Patreon mentioned oh, yeah. that already. Uh, that's that's entirely voluntary. Right, you can yeah. pledge a certain amount per episode. If what's you want. what's the address for that forum, just so everybody knows what it is? Uh, it's patreon.com. That's p a t r e o n dot com slash thinking sideways. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, Super you, easy. And you can you can go out there and pledge. You know, up to I don't know what there's a limit. If you there's can, not. You can, so you can pledge, pledge like a million an episode if you want to. If you want. Yeah. And, and I will go ahead and say, if you pledge a million episode, you own us. You guys, That's listen, right. be realistic for our listeners. Hundred bucks. Hundred bucks. <laughs> Realistically. <laughs> Realistic number. Hundred bucks an episode. That's about the average <laughs> we that we're be, seeing. Yeah, we, we, we joke about this, but again, I know we said this no, earlier. No, even Thank 50 you cents, so much for everything. Even 25 cents is so helpful. It, it, right. You'd be amazed at how those things add up, and yeah. they really do help us. They do. Yeah. yeah. We like. Yeah. So that's about it. Um, any last parting thoughts, you guys? No, yeah. I don't have anything else. Me neither. Okay. Yeah, I mean, either. It'll never be solved. Sorry, Ann. I'm just depressed now. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Sad story. Yeah, no. Way to, way to, way to pick us up. I Thanks, know. dude. Uh, we'll, we'll do something cheerful next week. Yeah, two, two, two cheerful stories from Joe in a row. Yeah, for yeah. real. Way yeah. to go, buddy. Uh, sorry about that. I'll, it'll be something. I, I'm going to do like an Easter Bunny story next week. Sweet. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.